Well, as Pastor Kevin said, we've been going through this Jesus reveal. We've been looking at these different I am statements of Jesus. We started with the bread of life. Uh, we moved on to be the door of the sheep, the good shepherd. Uh, we talked about in length during our other series, I'm the way, truth, and life. And today we're going to finish up with I am the true vine. Now, obviously that leaves two that haven't been covered. So, hey, you got something to read this week, right? You spend some time in the Word, you read about these, and you can fill out the whole seven, and, and there you go. We're excited for, uh, uh, to have Pastor Kevin back and excited for the next series that he's got for us too. So these are what we've been looking at, and we're looking at this I am the vine statement. This is the very last one that, uh, that Jesus says, I am the true vine, which obviously implies that there's a false vine, because as we understand, vines are connected. We are connected, and vines are connected with other things, and you can be connected to the true vine, or we can be connected to, well, other things in this world. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today is in John chapter 15, uh, starting with verse 1 through 8. So we've got your Bibles kind of open up there with us as we'll be in John 15 verses 1 through 8. But I wanted to set this up just a little bit this morning to understand what's going on. Remember last time Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, today he's talking with his disciples. And um, it, it's actually, it's, it's, gonna, it's a, been a rough night for these disciples. As they gather together today, this has been a rough night and unfortunately it's just going to get worse because Jesus is gathered with his disciples in the upper room. They've gathered there in Jerusalem to share in Passover together. We know that Jesus is on his way to the cross after this, and they share in the Lord's Supper. When Jesus goes and he washes their feet, and, and, and they're trying to figure out, wait a second, you're the master. Why are you washing our feet? We should be washing your feet. And so it's already starting to become unsettled. But then it, it goes even further as Jesus then predicts that one of you is going to betray me. And then he predicts that Peter is going to deny him three times. And these followers are like, what's going on? And then it gets even worse as Jesus tells them, I'm going to go away. And they say, well, we want to go with you. And he goes, but we don't know how to get there. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And then Jesus goes on and promises them the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to which they're looking and going, wait a second, you're leaving. How is somebody else, how is you leaving better than you being here with me, than being with us where we can see you and talk to you and, and, and shake hands with you and, and be with you? How, how is that going to be any different? And, and the disciples are trying to understand uh, what's going on here because they could see. And as you read through this passage, you can almost sense the disciples' anxiety level going up and increasing and increasing and increasing and their concern increasing as they're trying to figure out how are we gonna do this without you? How are we gonna operate with you leaving with, with this going on and there's uncertainty and there, there's unsettling and, and they're try, freaking out about how are we gonna be able to fulfill our mission alone. And as the questions are lingering in their head, Jesus says, come on, let's go. And with that, they get up from the upper room, they leave, and they're now on their way to the garden. And as they exit that door, Jesus then uses this analogy of the vine, the true vine, to help them understand and to walk them through this. So that's where we're at today. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and please stand with me as we read John 15, verses 1 through 8. Stand for the reading of God's Word today, if you can. 
if you are able. Here we go. John 15, 1 through 8, it says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are burned, are picked up, thrown into a fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as we're looking at this, he, he uses an analogy. And as we talked about in the past, Jesus is using all these metaphors and analogies to try to help them understand who he is and a little bit today of who they are and what they need to be focused on as well. And what's interesting is I looked at this and, 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 and got to this statement of where he says, I am the true vine. I hearken back to this. My wife and her mom have been in Italy for the last two weeks. And this is a picture that they sent us. And see, this is my beautiful wife right here in the lower right-hand corner, where they had dinner at a vineyard in Tuscany. They sent me a whole bunch of pictures that made me very, very jealous that I was not with them as they saw all these amazing things. However, this was just an amazing, breathtaking picture. And you can see the vines that are growing on this. And you can see them attached right? There's the vines that are growing off of it. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. And off of that vine come all these branches. And those branches come out and the intent for them is to bear fruit. And this is what was going on. Now, I wish I could have been there. I'm not. I'm actually going to pick, pick up my wife from the airport this afternoon in, um, at LAX. I am very excited. It's been two weeks without her and I'm looking forward to having her back. So that being said, thank you for this beautiful thing. But you can see this picture and the disciples would have understood this. They would have known what vines, vineyards look like. They would have understood vines and branches and fruit. They would have totally gotten this. So now Jesus is painting this picture to help them understand. So what is he revealing today? Today, Jesus begins, I want to begin with this. Jesus is revealing how his disciples can fulfill their mission. Remember, he's saying, I'm going to go. How will we want to go with you? I don't, we don't know the way. I am the way. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Relax. It's going to be good. You're going to be able to do this. And he goes into this analogy and he says, you didn't choose me. He says to fulfill their mission. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. The the, the Great Commission hasn't been unleashed yet. He hasn't done that. He hasn't told them what that is. But they already understood. And, and like we said, if you fast forward just a few verses in verse 16, he tells them, this is what your mission is. He said that he's been, he's been training them and he's been, been discipling them and preparing them for three years to fulfill their mission. And it's always been the plan all along that he was going to leave and that they would carry on and they would take the mission from there. And obviously the disciples now are getting to that 
a moment where we're going to have to do this on our own. I know you've been kind of hinting and alluding to this, and now it's almost go time. How are we going to do this? How are we going to fulfill our mission? And I think it's important that we understand exactly what their mission was. Okay? It's very important because Jesus says it right here in this verse. Your mission is that you might go and bear fruit. Their mission is to bear fruit. To bear fruit. And understand this is an expectation, not an option. Guess what? Just as the disciples' mission was to bear fruit, our mission is to bear fruit. We're to bear fruit in our lives. And again, this is an expectation, not an option. Jesus doesn't say, if you follow me and you have some free time, then there should be some fruit that comes out of your life. He says, no, when you follow me, you will bear fruit. When you remain in me and I'm in you, you will bear fruit. In fact, the fruit's going to show that you're actually still connected and remaining in me. It's an expectation for all of us that we bear fruit. But what does that mean when he says bear fruit? We're going to look at two different types of fruit today. Okay, There's two different types of fruit that he's talking about here. The first one is this. The first one is personal fruit. This is that fruit is that when we think of fruit, this is where our mind goes Im- immediately, right? This is when we start thinking fruit, we start thinking the fruits of the Spirit, and we think about what it, God is doing and is, is producing in us. And as the Holy Spirit is in us, as we were made in Christ, and it, what happens is it begins to produce personal fruit, which is this. It, uh, Paul will talk about it here in Galatians. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit that comes. Now, we talked about the Holy Spirit. This is, again, as we remain in him and he remains in us, as the Holy Spirit works in us, as that work is happening in us, what ends up happening is, is we grow this fruit where we are able to love in areas that we were never able to love before. We are able to have joy in the midst of the chaos of life. We are able to have peace that passes understanding. We are able to have patience with others. Do you have any impatient moments this week? Are some of you getting impatient right now that I'm not speaking faster? As we remain in Christ, as he is in us, as the Holy Spirit works, we will grow in patience, kindness, goodness, our faithfulness, gentleness. Are you harsh? Or are you going to be gentle with others? And then self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what happens when we are connected with him. This is what God is doing in us. It produces this personal fruit. And all of these are attributes of Christ. It is no accident that as we remain in him and he remains in us, as he is in us, as we are connected, what he has, those nutrients and who he is, gets infused into who we are. And we become like Christ increasingly so as we remain connected we produce this personal fruit because part of our mission is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus from the inside out that's what we're supposed to be doing if you are a follower of Christ if you are connected to him when that happens it it transforms us it's intended to transform us 
It will transform us. It's not something we have to say, okay, I will be transformed. No, 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 no. You say, God, I'm connected with you. And if we stay connected, that transformation just happens. You're a testimony to that, aren't you? There are things in your life that are not the same today that you, now that you've been remaining in Christ, that were before when you weren't in Christ, right? Your life is different. And in a lot of cases, dramatically different because of Christ in us. That's that fruit. And that fruit becomes this evidence that we're a disciple, that we are connected to him. Uh, and I love this, what he says here in verse 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be disciples. As we bear that personal fruit, as our lives transform, it shows we are his disciples. How is your life being transformed today? What is being, tra transformation can be a painful, uncomfortable process. What is he working on in you? What is being transformed? Are you the same today as the day that you said yes to Jesus? Has nothing changed? Are you sitting here today and you've been in church for years and years and years, but really nothing has changed in your life? I would question what you're connected to. Are you really remaining in him or are you not? Because when you remain in him, it will produce fruit. And what's interesting is personal fruit isn't just for our own benefit. We don't produce this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those kinds. We don't produce that fruit so that we can look and say, see, look how righteous I am. I'm pretty fruity, aren't I? This is awesome. Look at this. I get this, and this is a benefit to me. Actually, the fruit that we produce in our lives, it's intended to be given away to other people. That's the point of it. It's not for personal consumption. It's to give away to the people that are around us because the reason why we are the way we are is because of other people that have given it away to us. Amen? There are people in our lives that have done this, and that leads us to the second kind of fruit, and that is missional transformational fruit. Missional transformational fruit. Our mission to go into all the world and make disciples not to recluse and to go home and shut the doors and hide in there and never interact with anybody that's not a Christian. That's not our mission. Our mission is to go, to take that fruit that we are bearing and to give it away and to make an impact on others. That's what Jesus is doing through us. Okay, the personal fruit is what he's doing in us. The missional transformational fruit is what he is doing now through us. See, this is what church becomes. This is what life becomes on the other side of salvation. As we move into sanctification and we are in this process of becoming more and more like him, that which, by the way, that happens because we're remaining in him. As we become more and more like him and we are being sanctified through and through and our intent what ends up happening is now we go from just being personal consumers to being distributors of the grace of God, of that love, of that joy of that peace, of that patience. We are the ones that now get to give that away to other people. That's what Jesus is doing through us. The fruit of, of lives that are being transformed because of Christ in us. Not us, but Christ in us. And as we intentionally interact with other people, as we invest in others, as we pour into other people, what ends up happening is lives are changed for the glory of God. And those lives are missional, transformational fruit. Can I tell you, I'm a fruit. 
I'm a fruit because there are people in my life who poured into me. I think back to Randy Lansford. Randy Lansford was my, uh, my, my Sunday school teacher growing up as a little kid. Spent a lot of time at Randy Lansford's house, swimming in her pool with her kids, playing, and all this kind of stuff. But Randy Lansford was one that kept teaching me about the Bible, teaching me about the Bible. And it was Randy Lansford on that Sunday evening when I was sitting about right there when the, Bible, when the pastor says, do you want to give your life to Christ? And the Holy Spirit said to me, come. And I knew I wanted to come, but I was terrified. She was the one who gently put her hand on my shoulder and said, do you want to go forward? And I said, yeah. And she walked me down to the altar, and I knelt and gave my life to Christ. I could not tell you a word that that pastor said, which is super encouraging when you're writing a sermon. (laughs) But I know that through that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and because Randy had been pouring into me, she got to be there at that moment when I gave my life to Christ. But she wasn't alone. It takes a lot of people to get me to where I've been. And it's still taking people to help me continue going where I need to be. But I think about Brenda Campbell. Brenda Campbell, she would come in and she was our missions teacher. She would come into into, into kids' church and she would come in and she would talk about what was going on and Larry and Addie Garman and what God was doing in the jungles of Peru and the snakes and the whirlpools and the witch doctors and the, I'm on my edge of my seat. I'm just soaking it all in. And she started sharing this picture that God is working in our world and crazy transformational ways. And it's not just in the jungles of Peru. It's in Los Angeles too, at this church. And you can be a part of it. Brenda poured into me. I also played a lot of Scrabble with Brenda. I played a lot of Rook with Brenda. I also swam in her pool too. Went to Huntington Beach. I've got a million memories with her. And her family, because also her son, Dale, their oldest son, her oldest son, Dale, was one that was with me and with there for me during my years when I was trying to find myself apart from Christ. And he was the one that would talk to me every single Sunday. And even though I was in full-blown rebellion, he never stopped loving me. And he never stopped caring about me. And he never stopped asking me stuff. And he would invite me to go to concert with him, concerts like Michael Jackson, Concerts like, yeah, there are all sorts of concerts we went to. And he was the one that I still remember on that day when I walked back into church, when I was down at Point Loma and I'd given my life back to Christ and said yes to him. I remember that first Sunday I walked back in and he saw me and he said, it's good to have you back. And I was like, what do you mean back? I've been here forever. And he goes, no, you've been gone. About three years now. He knew. He kept pouring into me. And it kept pouring into me. And you know what? The morning before I got married, he took me out to breakfast and we talked what, about what it meant to be a man of God and a husband of God and to love a wife. And he prayed with me over French toast and scrambled eggs and was there as I gave my life. I'm a fruit. I'm a product of that. Can you think of people that have poured into you over the years? Can I tell you, I've also got fruit. <laughs> I've got people in my life that I, can, that I can think of even right now as I'm sitting here, people whose lives I've interacted with. And, and, and I'm, here's the thing, I'm not the only one. This is not, by the way, to bring glory to Brent for anything. This is really the glory of God because if he can use me to help transform someone's life, ooh, he must be good. 
But here's the deal. I mean, I, I think about just a couple of weeks ago. We had two young ladies get baptized. They were from youth group growing up. Where myself, small group leaders, we've all been pouring in and walking with and, and, and watching like Hazel. We, I've, I walked with her the whole way. We've had lots of conversations. We've gone to camps together. We've gone on mission trips together. She's been in my office. We've cried. We've pled. We've prayed. I've called her and pursued her when she was taking other paths. Just a couple weeks ago, she got baptized. Life to Christ. She's not done. None of us are done. I think I've a guy named Zach, Zach Morgan. Today, Zach Morgan is in, uh, in Georgia, and he's a young man that was in my youth group. And uh, he was a young man that uh, showed up to me, and first time I met him, he was smoking a cigarette outside youth group. Because our youth group was at a hardcore club. It was not on a church property. And we had a smoking section out front. And Zach would come up and he would smoke. And I would see him. And the only reason Zach was there was not for me. It wasn't for Jesus. It wasn't for the worship. It was for a girl. And I was in the back and I was working on the sandboard of this really cool thing. And he was, I looked and I noticed Zach's peeking over. And he's looking. And I'm like, do you know how to do this? And he's like, no. And I said, well, you want to learn? He's like, sure. So Zach comes around and he watches me. And we get done with the, the service all done, and I, I look at Zach and say, hey, Zach, next week, why don't you come back? You work this, and I'll just kind of coach you on some of the things that I know. He's like, oh, okay. So he comes back and does that. Well, the next week, he comes back, and, and he's doing it again. And all of a sudden, now he's making that sound, that, that light board do things I never could get it to do. And I was like, oh, I was good. So that became his thing. And then they broke up. They broke up. And I'm like, dude, Zach, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's Okay. And I was like, so am we going to lose you? He's like, no, i gotta run the, I got to run the light board. It's like, yes, you do. <laughs> I'll never forget giving a gospel presentation here in this hardcore club with all these kids. And who comes walking down? Zach. And embracing him and putting my arms around him and praying with him. Oh, man. You know what Zach's doing today? Zach's a pastor. In Georgia. If you would have told me in the parking lot that Zach smoking, by the way, he would smoke, and I would come up and say, hey, how's it going? And he would blow the smoke in my face. That's the kind of, he wasn't the hide it, he was the, what are you going to do about it? If you had told me that kid would someday be a pastor, that he'd be married and have, 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 a, have a little girl now that he's doing, that he would completely be transformed by the power of Christ, I would have said, you're kidding me. There's no way. Set by Christ. That's that transformational, that missional transformational fruit that comes from remaining in him. And that's the kind of fruit that we need to produce. And I really do not know how I'm going to get through all this today. So we're going to go through this as, as quick as we can. If it starts sounding a little disjointed. All right. So that's that missional transformational fruit. Jesus is revealing to them that if we remain in Christ, it means that he's saying, oh, that's, that's the next one, isn't it? Jesus is revealing in order to fulfill our mission... Uh, to produce fruit, we must remain in him. That's the second thing he's revealing. He's revealing that he is the source of all that we need to do what he's called us to do. He is the one. He will provide. We can look at what God's called us to do. We can look at the things that God calls us to do and to look at that and go, there's no way I could do that. Are you kidding me? I'm not. You're right. You can't. Oh, but with Christ in you, you can 
as you remain in him and he becomes this nourishment, he becomes everything that you need, you will be able to see amazing things happen for the kingdom of God. If you remain in Christ, it has a very, if you look at the Greek to this, it, it, it has connotations of abide, stay, reside in, live in. When he says remain in Christ, this isn't some cold, detached, this is highly relational is what this is talking about. When he's saying remain in me, it's this idea of residing in or living in. It's this doing life together. It means we don't just visit Jesus on Sunday at his place. It means he moves into your life and you are now living together in this committed relationship, which kind of funny because remember he talks about I'm the bride and you are the yeah, or, yeah I'm, I'm the groom and you're the bride and he gives this anyways you get it I'm thinking about my wife Lorena I remember when I was dating my wife dating my wife was awesome it was fun we would meet up at these places where I'd get all dressed up make sure my teeth were brushed and everything was looking good and I would go and we would meet somewhere and we would go do some stuff and we would hang out and we would laugh a lot and then we would I'd come back and I'd drop her off maybe give her a kiss good night by the way I waited six months to kiss her Anyways, sorry, that was for my glory right there. <laughs> Forgive me. I waited though. I mean, but I was like, oh man, but I couldn't wait. I'm, and I still remember our first kiss. Oh my goodness. Set my world on fire. You got to be kidding me. Dating was fun. It was great. But it's nothing like being married. When we moved in and we were committed to one another, and I committed and vowed that I would remain in her and that she vowed that she would remain with me and that nothing would tear us apart, that that love would there. That's a different thing than dating, isn't it? Dating, you get some of this stuff. Marriage, you get it all. <laughs> dating, you get the best up where I kind of made myself dressed up and put my good face on. Marriage, oh, you get it all. <laughs> First thing in the morning, you get the, the funky breath. You get the fantastic hairdos. You get the raw emotions, don't you? The emotion, the, the heartache, the hard days, the struggles, the loneliness, the processing, the growing, the joys, the victories. You get it all. He's saying, remain in me. He's not saying, date me. He's not saying, show up and, and visit me. He's saying, move in. I'm going to move into your life. We're going to do life together. That's what he means when he's talking about this idea of this transformational fruit. This is what he's talking about when he says, remain in me. It's relational. That's what it's always meant to be. Okay, It's always meant to be relational. Um, and what happens is, is we need him. In order to produce the fruit, we need to remain in him. We need to be connected with him. Because here's the deal. We are not responsible for manufacturing results. We are responsible for obediently remaining in Jesus. We aren't there to try to go out and fix people and make people think certain things. And we go out and we transform people. We can't do that. Some of you have tried. Some of you are married and you're like, yeah, no, I quit trying that. I can't fix, I can't change. It's not our job. And that that's actually should be a relief, right? It should be a relief to know that it's not your responsibility to change people. That's right. 
your responsibility to obediently remain in Christ and to stay connected missionally to those people that are in your life. And as you pour in them and the Holy Spirit is working in you and working through you, what happens is eventually the Holy Spirit is the one that transforms those lives. I can't tell you how many stories there are of people that were lost causes. There was no way. People were giving up on them. But Jesus never did. And because of Jesus in their life, they're not the same people anymore. Those I can't believe that moments. That's what we have to remember is this obediently remaining in Christ is huge. So are you remaining in Jesus? Do you live with him? Are you residing in him or do you just date him? Are you dating Jesus or are you married to him? Because it changes everything when you're married to him. All right. One thing we need to understand about this is that even while we remain connected to the vine, God prunes us to help us bear more fruit. Can I tell you, I read this, this, this verse here, and as I was reading this, I'm like, that's, that's a typo. And my brain kind of wanted to fix it in my head. And it, it says, I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. I read that and I went, whoa, 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 that's not, that should say every branch does not bear, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, right? That's what I'm thinking it should say. But I'm like, no, no, no. He's saying the branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will bear even more fruit. So here you got this bush, you got this, this branch, and it's producing fruit. It's a good, healthy branch. And he's like, ah, oh, but there's more. See, we think sometimes in that process, we're like, why are you, why are you pruning me? Like, I'm good. I see I'm producing fruit. I don't need to be pruned. He goes, yeah, but there's more. Let me, let me do this. Now, I would tell you, I love this. Jesus is this gardener. I'm not a gardener, okay? I could kill any one of your plants. Just give me some time, all right? could totally do it. But here's the deal. Jesus is the gardener, and the gardeners prune. And I remember when we first moved in here in Bakersfield, we had, um, one of the things we loved about our house was there were all these beautiful roses uh, all in our front yard and in our backyard. It was absolutely gorgeous, and we loved it. And we moved into the house. By the way, that was nine years ago. I've been here now nine years. <laughs> one person's excited about that. <laughs> I love it. But nine years ago, we moved in, we rolled in. Man, there's these beautiful things. And then what happened is one day I come home and the gardener has been gardening, he's been doing some work and he pruned our, our rose bushes. And at first I was looking at it and I'm like, well, this is what it looked like. Look, where are the roses? Where did everything happen? What's going on? It was producing good help. Why would you prune that? Why would you do that? It looked barren, it looked nasty. I was a little frustrated with the gardener. What are you doing? What's that? And then, and then, give me a little bit of time. This is how those responded. This was, this is literally, this was our front yard. This was our, I still remember coming out and looking at that and going, oh, I'm taking a picture of that, it looks good. That's what happened. You know what happened? Is those bush came back and there were more roses than there were before. And those roses that did come in were bigger and more beautiful than the ones that had been there before. See, what I didn't realize this process is you have to create space. You have to, 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 to get rid of some of the hindrances, the things that are getting in the way, sometimes to, to give space for this new, fresh, bigger, more um, roses to grow. And this is what Jesus does in our life. That's what God does with us as well. He, produces, he, he prunes productive disciples. He prunes us 
so that we can bear even more fruit for him. And let's face it, we don't like being pruned, do we? We don't like the pruning process at all. It can be painful. It's uncomfortable. We don't like it. And what happens when we start getting pruned? Especially if we're kind of fruitful, right? Or we've, we've, we've had the, the fruit that's been growing and all of a sudden we're getting pruned. We're like, we start questioning the gardener, don't we? What are you doing? Why are you cutting this out? This is painful. This is uncomfortable. I don't like this. We should fire the gardener, right? Because sometimes when we're fruitful, and we're connected and we're remaining in Jesus. We're sitting here and all of a sudden this pruning happens. There are times when we question like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I should fire the, the gardener. If you really love me, you wouldn't prune me. If you really, if you were really loving God, you would not prune me. And he's like, actually, I'm pruning you because I love you. Because I know the potential that is in you if I prune you. And I know that it's painful, and I know that it's uncomfortable, and I know you don't like this, but I see what's on the other side, and you can produce even more fruit, even better fruit than you've been producing already. I love that you're producing fruit, but there's more, and you're settling for what you are, and I want to give you what you can be, and what you could be, and what you should be. But it's going to be painful. It's a painful pruning process, for sure. But what ends up happening is we end up yielding more and more. And one thing that we need to know is we need to commit to remain regardless of the pruning process. That even when the pruning starts happening, we need to remain in him, especially when we're being pruned. We need to make sure that we remain no matter what. And what is he pruning us of? Okay. He prunes us of several things. He prunes us of time-wasting activities. Sometimes there are things in our life that are taking up a lot of time, space, uh, you know, bandwidth in our lives that he's saying, you don't need that. Sometimes those activities are unhealthy. Sometimes they're, they're filling our minds and the things that we're kind of getting connected with out there are kind of running contrary to the things we should be connected with. And, and he's like, I need you to cut that out. Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes he's got to prune out the good to get to the great. Those are hard decisions. I've sat with people before. They're like, well, I've got this and this. And I'm like, yeah, they're both great. Those are both good things. What do you feel like God's calling you? What, what is your purpose? What is your... And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, i got to cut out this thing that I love in order to really excel in what he wants me to do. He prunes us of destructive relationships. Sometimes there are people in our lives who bring us down, who are leading us in the wrong direction. When I was a youth pastor, one of the things that I always tell our students is you become like the people which you hang out with. I've seen kids that never cuss anymore, and all of a sudden they start cussing, and I'm like, where's that from? Oh, I'm playing football, and the coaches, or the guys that I hang out from the team, you're like, yeah, you're becoming like them. Sometimes he takes destructive relationships, things that are holding us back, and he's got to prune them. And it's painful because sometimes they're people we've known for a long time. But now in this season of our life, as we're moving forward, they got to go. And then other times there's sinful behaviors, just flat out stuff in our lives that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. And we've been holding on to it and we've given God most of us. But there's this one thing that's kind of holding us back. And can I tell you, sin will hold you back. It will keep you from being productive. It will keep us from being connected. It will keep us from hearing the word of the Lord. It will keep us from becoming who we're intended to be if sin remains in our life. And sometimes... Sometimes it has to be a place where it's really been destructive. 
before we say, okay, fine. Okay, God, you get all of me. But he does those and he prunes those. But in the pruning process, do not quit. Do not give up. We need to make sure that we make that commitment to remain regardless. All right, the last thing. There are consequences if we don't remain in Jesus. There are consequences if we don't remain in Jesus. And let's face it, we're in a culture right now where consequences, well, we feel like we shouldn't have to suffer consequences for our actions. Other people should definitely be held accountable and they need to suffer consequences, but really it doesn't doesn't apply to me, right? That's kind of how our our world works. But the problem is, is there are consequences if we do not remain in Jesus. The first thing, the first consequence that comes from this is that uh, we're going to be incapable of fulfilling our mission. You will not be able to bear fruit if you you, you disconnect from God. You will not be able to do it. When he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, yeah, you can't do it. His disciples, remember, he's telling his disciples this, who are going to have to go, and they're going to watch him go and and bear the cross and and rise from the grave, and then he's going to give them this commission, and he's going to leave, and they're going to look at him, and these words are going to remember, apart from me, you can do nothing, disciples. And you know what they do? Those disciples remain in him. And you know what they do? Spread the gospel all over the world. If those guys had gone rogue, it couldn't happen. You disconnect from God, you will not be able to fulfill your mission. Second, we will be judged for our uselessness. You see, when you disconnect from God and you're unable to fulfill your mission, what happens is you become useless. Because, like, I built you and created you for a reason, for a purpose. And you're like, well, I've got my own purpose. It's like, those are purposes that, that you're putting on. I have a purpose that I've created you for. And if you disagree, what happens is is you're going to be useless, is you're going to redeem yourself useless, and you will be judged for that. And that sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? We look at that, and that's not easy and fun to hear. But in John 15, 6, he says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Now, some people think this is an illusion or uh, referencing the fact that uh, there's just been this betrayal by Judas, and they think that this could have to do with Judas, but this fully applies to us because there is a day that you and I are going to stand before our maker, stand before the one who created us, who gave us our purpose, and we will have to give an account for our life. Did you remain in me or did you not remain in me? Were you my disciple? Were you not my disciple? You see, if you remained in him, you have this relationship with him, and you are living with him, and he's in you, and you're in him, and this is thing, you're going to stand before him, and he goes, I know you. Welcome home. But if you walk up before him, and you've been disconnected, and you did not remain, and you chose not to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to not remain in him, you will stand before him, and you can say, but I went to church, but I was a good person. And he's going to say, I don't know you. You weren't living with me. You weren't committed to me. You didn't remain in me. Go. And we will be thrown into the fire and burned. We call that hell, by the way. And I've heard people say, well, how could a loving God ever send someone to hell? And the truth is, you chose it. 
If you choose to live a life separate from him and you say, I got this, I don't need you, I don't want to be in relationship with you, why in the world would you want an eternal relationship with him in heaven? So he's saying, oh, you don't want to be with me. I will give you what you've chosen. You've chosen to be separate from me. You will now be separate from me forever. But if you've chosen to remain in me, I'm giving you the opportunity to reign me forever. See, if you remain, it's a beautiful promise. If you disconnect, it's terrifying. And I really do need to wrap this up. So we do need to understand that there are consequences. I don't tell you that to scare you. I'm not trying to intimidate you. I'm telling you that because I love you. And we need to know the truth. And the truth is there are consequences. So as we wrap this up, the band's going to come out and... I don't even know how long that song is. How long is that song? They're going to come out and they're going to play. It's not the whole band. We're going to do this. But this is what I want to do. As we kind of close this and wrap this up here, I just want you to, to just ask ourselves this question. And as they sing this last song, I want you to do this. I want you to search yourself. Ask yourself the question, are you remaining in him? Are you, you realize you're on a mission from God, just like the Jesus' disciples were. And, and your mission is to go produce fruit, both personal and missional. And the only way we can do that is by remaining in Jesus And we know that God's going to be pruning us, even when we're productive. And we understand that if we don't remain in him, we will not be able to fulfill our mission. So are you remaining in Jesus today? Today, as you're sitting here, do you say, I've been disconnected. I want to be fused back into the vine. Maybe you're sitting here today and there's something that needs to be pruned. Is there something that God wants to prune out of your life today? If there's something that needs to be pruned... Submit it to him. Submit it to him. Just give it to him. Allow him to prune your life. It's painful. It is difficult. But oh, it'll be so much better. You will be so much healthier. You will be able to fulfill your mission. And then are you producing fruit? Is there personal fruit that's growing within you? Is there missional transformational fruit? Who are you pouring into? producing that fruit in you because he wants you to give it away. So what I want to do, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to listen to the words of this song. And I want you to listen to God. And I want you to talk with him. And if there are any of these things today that you're like, I've got to deal with this, let us deal with that this morning. Father God, as we're gathered here today, as we pray, as we listen to this song that really talks exactly about what we're talking about, Lord, we ask that you would do your work in us. Prune us. Transform us. Help us be productive. Help us to bear fruit. Help us to be useful for you. May we live in you, reside in you. May we not just be dating you, but may we be committed to you in love. In your name we pray. Just keep talking. Just keep thinking. And as they sing, I want you to listen to the words. If there's something the Holy Spirit is talking with you, the altars are always open, but talk with him today. Let's close.